Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of This Is HCD. This time with Swiss information designer and co-founder of the data experience agency, Superdot. Now for regular listeners of the show, you may remember an interview that I did with Darian Hill earlier this year. And Darian is co-founder of Superdot with Nicole. So it's fantastic to hear both sides of the story on the creation of this fantastic book, Visualizing Complexity. And I truly love everything about this book and I highly recommend it to everyone. So pick up a copy. Another thing that I really recommend is Miro, who are today's sponsor of the show. And I truly love them for the fact that they've supported and got behind the mission of This Is Hate CD. I have so many uses for Miro, but the one that I keep coming back to is alignment. And I work with people all over the world, all who come from different backgrounds and are in different time zones. Now, one of the things that struck me when I started to work fully distributed was that in many time zones, it can sometimes work for me and it can sometimes work against me. The days of just having a call and talking are gone. And Miro really helps us visualize these conversations and create alignment. And this is what all good meetings are about at its core. If you can increase clarity within your meetings by just 20%, you can really look at starting to shorten your meetings. How cool would that be? This may seem like a small thing or a small detail, but small things, as you know, can lead to a big impact. Now, a lot of senior professionals can have up to 20 meetings a week. So a saving of 20% there is four hours of time can be really saved. So show some love to Miro by checking out the link in the show notes or description where you can get a free account and three canvases for life. Now back to this episode. Now we chat about lots of things in this episode, ranging from the experience and perspective that Nicole brings to projects, working with different perspectives and alignment and lots, lots more. Nicole is an absolutely incredible designer and there really is something in this episode for everyone. So let's jump in. I'm so delighted to have you on the podcast. We spoke, I caught up with Darian, it's probably six months ago now, I'd say at this stage, and I was speaking to Darian, whenever the book came out. But you're obviously, you work together with Darian Hill, you wrote an incredible book. The book that I really hold in the highest regard as one of the most beautiful books to hold in your hands. It feels amazing and it looks amazing. So, and I'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast, like I've said it in all my trainings and stuff that I really encourage people to pick this book up. So maybe we'll start off like I start nearly every episode off with telling me a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do. So I'm Nicole, I'm a trained graphic designer. Mm -hmm. I'm Swiss, so I live in Basel in Switzerland. Also, mm -hmm. our studio, Superlat Studio, is based in Basel. I studied in Basel, so yeah, I just stayed here because I think so many international people came here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's about the most important. So let's talk about the creation of the book, okay? Because this book, I remember when I was speaking to Darian, he was like saying, is there really a need for a book? What do we have to bring to the, the conversation around visualize mm. complexity and for me that's kind of a shocking statement because the book has actually filled a huge void for me like it really introduced me to an awful lot of stuff and i would have a i'd like to think i've got a pre, pretty decent grasp on some of these things but i really liked the book generally 
So when you were working through that kind of process of, I guess, questioning that, how did you get over that? How did you get over those kind of conversations that you're saying, is this, are we, is this a good thing to be doing? Is this, what was that like? Can you remember? Can you reflect on that? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, thank you for the great feedback on the book. It's for us, this is like really important to know what people think like positive, but also negative, or if they even understand what we are, yeah, yeah, what we are trying to do with this book at all. So yeah, as I said, I'm a graphic designer. So I went into data with the like I started with data on a research project because I worked as a research assistant at the University of Arts and Design in Basel. And then during that, I went to the master's program where I met Diane. And why I'm telling that is like, he has a background of a business informatics guy. So he's not a trained graphic designer. And I'm a really classically trained graphic designer. So I studied in the early 2000s so of course we had computers and everything but we were still working analogly a lot right. so when we started the book actually it was the idea to combine like Diane's approach and mine mm. and kind of trying to bring that together so he maybe had more this data background and I had more this background of like really this step-by-step -step design and doing a lot of variations in design because I was trained like that. And we were, you know, trying to bring that together. So we, yeah, so the pandemic was not so fun for everyone, I guess, yeah. but it gave us the opportunity and the time because many projects stopped. His clients, they just disappeared. So we said, yeah. okay, let's go to this cottage in the mountains uh, for some weeks. And we just, each of us, we try to write down and draw what we think is our approach to designing yeah. with data. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, and also, you know, our rule was not to look at other books, not yeah. to look at other frameworks, not to look at other data books, because there are books about data visualization out there. So ours is maybe not so much only data visualization, but still yeah. you get intimidated when you look at all the other publications. Okay, maybe oh, no, I can say that. Okay, I can say that. So I think Diane and me, we have a good, of course we fight for our good. beliefs, but yeah, I think in the end, it's good to have two different kind of perspectives. It's, I'm sure you do fight like, you know, like every good creative relationship, you need that sort of steam to be let off, but tension. <laughs> the tension is positive depending on how you use it. But the bit that I'm really interested in, like you could have called the book visualizing data. Okay. It would have been, pretty right. but visualizing complexity is the bit that I'm really interested in right now. And I'd love to speak to you a little bit more around that. In a cave in Scotland in June, I spoke about how design is at a point where we're now going to be approaching problem solving of much more complex problems and problems like society and societal homelessness and inequality and all of these huge problems that 
really things like journey maps and service blueprints and empathy mm-hmm. map, they kind of hit their limit at that point of kind of saying, well, we can talk about them. It's good to talk about them. They, they can become boundary objects to really create alignment. They're very powerful. There's no sort of denying that. But what I really right. like, I guess the, the kind of the bit when I saw the book, I didn't have to look too far. I was like, okay, buying it because the word complexity was in there. I want to understand what was going on. But I want to understand a little bit more around the, the use of the word complexity within the title of the book. Was that a conscious decision? Yeah, well, first of all, maybe, um, when we first opened the studio, we, we had a different name. We were called EI, but then the subtitle was like Visualizing Complexity. So okay. we were not like the studio for data design or something. Mm-hmm. It's also because in our practice, we, we do not only design with data or maybe it's a different kind of data very yeah. often that it's more like it can also be text or like a structure or a strategy or something so that's yeah. why we put the title complexity of course the, the examples are more like database but in the book there is this yeah quite simple story yeah. and it's actually a text okay. in the beginning and from that text you extract the data and so on so we really wanted mm-hmm. to show like you know, step by step. Love and that. that's happy to hear that, you know, that you're on, yeah, you, you got the kind of message or you got the approach. Absolutely. It's really cool. So, so it's the decision to work from a narrative into a visualization piece is really strong, like, you know, because a lot of the stuff that I have over here, like even, you know, Tufts books and stuff, they're very mm-hmm. good. At, they're very good at visualizing the visualizations but they don't really talk about the process that goes in to really unpacking that. So it was really refreshing yeah. to hear yeah. that. Now, when I was speaking to Darian, he was really open about that whole process of getting things structured in such a way to really visualize that. And one of the bits that came out of that conversation was the relative uniqueness to approaching visualizing new topics as opposed to what designers who might be listening to this, they already kind of know when they're going into research what tools they're going to lean into. They might say, well, I'm going to use a journey map, or they might use any of the Mm. other more popular visualization tools to really bring the research alive. What came clear from Darian's conversation was that isn't true for how you approach your work. So you you treat it on a case-by-case basis usually. Is that true? Yeah, that's uh, absolutely true. So first thing is that we can usually not work with, or we don't actually work with like templates or diagram types, or you mentioned like, I don't know, like a flow chart or this map stuff. And actually, mm, maybe sometimes it's similar, but we don't care so much. So we Hmm. really look into the um, content and we yeah. try to find the perfect form for the content. So, and this is usually not possible with templates. So this yeah. step-by-step approach in the book should also communicate that you have like elements that are basic and you can reuse them and you can combine them in different ways. And we are convinced that when you combine this, when you are aware of these elements, you can... Yeah 
combine it in new ways and you can find innovative diagrams or, you know, what that really fit the content. As you said, it's like the problem solving is getting more complex and I think then templates are just not enough if you really want to do yeah. something meaningful and also something beautiful, something that where people that look at it have a good experience. I mean, that's also always super important to us. That's not just like there is this visualization, but how do people approach it? How do they read it? It should also be like fun and aesthetic, you know, it's, yeah. even though the topic is hard, you should be motivated to to look at it because there's like so many charts and diagrams everywhere but um if they look like standard stuff i, I don't even look at it or if i don't yeah it's <laughs> you know what i mean it absolutely you you have to give something more than the standards True. that that that's what we are convinced so w with the process of getting the data structured into a table seems to be one of the key skills like that whole kind of the ability to reflect and iterate at that level as opposed to the visualization piece it is a sequence it's it seems to be very waterfall on that approach you have to work with the data first to try and get it into a structure that you feel like you can you can use it as a springboard so to speak versus iterative where you're you're working with the data and you're working with the visuals which is it? Is it a case of the, the former or the latter? <laughs> that was the bit that I was missing in the conversation with Darian. Okay, okay. I tried to explain it. So, of course, usually we get like some kind of data or some kind of material from the client usually. Or, mm -hmm. And, of course, it's never complete. So, we look at it, we structure it. This is like one stream. And on the other side, we start with sketches that we do we really do them by hand like every time it doesn't matter if the output is a website or a poster in the end hmm. we always start by hand because this thinking process is a much different one and then one stream maybe is also to think about the aesthetics and you know the look and feel that we want to achieve and then we work with the structure that we have and we already start, but even, and then at the same time, maybe the client still has to work on it and refine it, but we can already start. So mm. it comes a bit from both sides. It's like multiple streams because when we wait till we have everything, we also don't get it done. But for us, it's really important that the client is also working with us. So he's the, he or she is like the expert of the content. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah, we can just support them to give us that material that we need. Yeah. So I don't know if it, that makes it a bit no, more it clear, but. It, it does. It really helps. Like, you know, I guess with the bigger consultancies, this is some of their strengths that they may have. They may have a, a data science and a visualization practice that's within their organizations but for the smaller practices it seems like there's an oversight there for many to be really effective in their visualization and their storytelling that piece tends to be trivialized a little bit and what i'm really enjoying from you know following yourself and darian and Superdad on instagram i'll throw a link to that one in the show notes <laughs> folks is that whole kind of piece where it's like a resurgence 
of graphic design and this discipline that I guess in the worlds of service design and user experience design, I guess it's fallen a little bit by the, the wayside in the digital world. It's, it seems to be sort of within the world of print magazines and stuff. I see that coming back an awful lot more now in the last couple of years because as we elevate ourselves towards more tackling more serious, more complex problems, we need, we've got generations, you know, since the press was created, we've kind of somewhat disregarded and leaned into more template-based driven visualizations. Is that fair to yeah. say, or am I, am I imagining this, that this is coming back where we realize that there's a huge gap there within design and we need to become better at it? Yeah, well, I think it depends from which perspective you see it. I think there's like in this database community, mm. there's a, a big group that says, okay, look, this is right and this is wrong and this is the chart chooser and for this kind of data you use this and for that you use that. And they, I think they have their space, but we are actually not interested in that too much. Okay. Because it's it's not so creative. It's more like if then and yeah, well, and but yeah, I, I think there's a, still a big potential to bring graphic or design more into this field of data. But I also realized it's not that easy. It's a super interesting job, but it's quite a hard job because yes. the kind of the data and the, the structure and the story has to be correct and everything and the state the story has to be interesting but then on the same hand you also want like a great design and when you achieve that it it i mean that's our goal to achieve mm. that and to really have like this data experience design as we call it yeah so that's also why we made this book to to really try to bring these communities closer together like this data scientists and the graphic designers so that that they find like a, a, a language to speak mm. together when i was speaking yeah. to darwin there was a, a point in the conversation where i wanted to understand a little bit more around the realization that okay now we have something to work with so those yeah. triggers that you look for when you kind of go okay this looks like it's a good idea this idea has legs and that seems to come from a place of experience and craft. Is that the case? Are you okay to talk a little bit more around when you know you've arrived at something that's interesting? Because for the people listening to the, the podcast, they may be tasked with doing some of these things where they have to go off piste and use their own kind of instinct to create a visualization mm -hmm. to reflect complex problems. How do you know... Once your data has been structured, how do you know that you're, on, you're onto a good thing? Hey, sorry for interrupting the episode, but I wanted to tell you about today's sponsor, Miro. Many people connect it to just being another business collaboration tool, but for me, it's so much more. I use it to manage my own Ikigai, to help me keep track of my own life and career. This one here that you can see won't get shared to anyone else, so it's a private board. Only I can see it. Now, the beauty of all this is I didn't need to create these canvases from scratch. People on the Miroverse upload them, and there's a constant stream of updated frameworks there for all us change makers all around the world to use for free. Many of which come with really detailed instructions on how to use them. So for more information, see www.miro.com forward slash podcast, where you can get three free canvases for free 
for life. Let's get back into that episode. Yeah, well, I think you you, you can really tell when you... I mean, what we do is like, as I said before, the first part of the process is always the sketches we do by hand. And also we did the same in this cottage and later on in the studio when we worked on the book. And then, you know, just to... Or you can print, whenever you do something digitally, print everything out and look at the variations that you made and the different, mm-hmm. you know, maybe flows that you <laughs> created. And then you can actually, when you see it, you can decide. You know, you have to do, that's also what the book is about, to encourage to do variations. Because when you do variations, you, you can yeah, you know which one is better than the other one, but when you don't have something to compare, it's hard to say. And I think that approach also comes from the Basel School of Design, where I studied, because we had to do like very basic exercises with typography, like for weeks, till you actually, you know, think that, you have no idea anymore what you can do with this restriction yeah. within these restrictions. And maybe you think I-, I wanted to study graphic design because I want to do some great posters and not this simple stuff. But in the end, you realize that was actually the most important exercise that, mm. that we have ever done. And you can use that approach no matter with what tool, you know? Mm. You always have to be aware of what you are changing. And when you have a series of designs that you made, I think when you compare them, you can define much better which one works. Or you have a good basis also to discuss or to test it with someone. So just to have one result and say, look, how do you like it? It's a bit like difficult. Yeah, it's binary. Yes or no. Like, you know, you know, over the last... I guess six months, 10 months, maybe AI. I'm going to talk a bit more around AI folks. I'm sure people mm-hmm. are ro- rolling their eyes up to heaven. Where do you see, where do you see the whole kind of, you know, mid journey and all of these pieces? Like, is there a risk there to the craft of graphic design? What's your think on the whole kind of the impact of AI on the industry generally from a data visualization perspective? Yeah, so I'm actually more looking forward than like being afraid or something for the industry. I think at the moment, it's maybe a bit more like this mid-journey stuff. It's fun, but it's a bit random still. And it's, you know, funny to to explore it. But from my point of view, you cannot really use it yet. Maybe we have some quite nice filters for Photoshop that work already. But the point to really have a good support for like the boring stuff anyway you don't want to do is not there yet. And I would be super happy. I mean, I did, I designed all these graphics in the book in Illustrator and you can do that, but it's actually a pain in the ass. So I would know exactly what to prompt Illustrator to do that for me, but you cannot do that yet. So I think actually our approach with the book matches quite well with all this AI approach because it's about, you know, 
defining the like your parameters and then you yeah. play with the parameters and also when you prompt actually you should be aware of what parameter you are changing of course it's not as simple as in the book but from the idea to understand actually how ai could work hmm. i think it's quite it i think it's relating i don't, I don't know um, yeah yeah but so you're not that, it's, it's that's what, what i'm thinking about like that also the old school exercises actually fit into this AI world. And I'm looking forward to be able to, you know, yeah. work more like that, not to do manually everything in Illustrator or if we do a series, we code it, of course. But yeah, that's also why our book is totally like tool independent. It doesn't say, yeah, with this, you can do with Tableau and you can hack that. I don't care. Use what you want. You can use pen and papers and, and then find the tool that matches what for what you want to do, or you code it, or I don't know. I, yeah, you've managed to work with and um, work on some incredible projects. Like you know, when I look at the Super Dot website, I know you've got two exhibitions coming up at the moment. But for people who are out there who are graphic designers and the graphic design students, and they look at your work and they're gonna go, "Wow, this is because it is beautiful." You know. I've said it to you on Instagram many times and you're like, stop it. Stop saying so many nice things. But like, <laughs> what advice yeah. do you give to people who are entering the industry now? Like, you know, cause it is a, I guess it is a crazy time for anyone to be getting started in, in design. There's so much flux. Yeah. That's with an F L U X. <laughs> There's so many flux, <laughs> so much flux going on at the moment. What advice do you give to those designers out there who are just getting started? Yeah, I would say also, I mean, we also have students and, and different design schools where we teach data mm. with, but in general, also there, we just, we work with pen and paper first. So, mm. um, I think I would always do that to sketch ideas or to start something. And then I would say like, just be curious, like tools are changing, like all the time, just try it, test it, see what works for you. Mm. I think it's like in design, it's like a lifelong learning. And, you know, sure. if you like that, if you like like new stuff, like all the time, then it's great. Can I talk but, to you about your, yeah. your, your toolkit? Okay. Because I guess people are fascinated with how you go about doing these things. You mentioned Illustrator there. Okay. I've got a hate, hate relationship with Adobe. Okay. So I just, it's too yeah. expensive and so forth. What other tools do you use to achieve this level of kind of wonderfulness in your work? Like, do you use I iPad Pros or what does it look like? If you're to open up your bag, for example. Ask. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, of course, we have, we're still in that Adobe CC suite yeah, yeah. program yeah. collection. We use all of them. I mean, me personally, I love InDesign, I think. If I had to yeah. choose for one program, it would still be InDesign. And then, yeah, we used like Excel or similar ones for really the basic structure. And Darian is like our Excel designer. <laughs> also, a nice and structured table is more fun and people are more willing to work with it. So yeah. that's already the first step. As I mentioned, also, like pen, paper, like always. And then, of course, now it's since we have so quite a lot of web projects. We worked with XD before, but also now we work with 
Figma and they just changed the workflow so that development and design can come closer together. And since we started the studio, we have always had a developer in the team. So we also have that. So that is quite fluid. So we don't do everything manually in Illustrator. We always discuss like what is the um, perfect approach. What are we doing in code and what are we doing manually and what are we doing by hand to test it? So it's, yeah, it's always like, yeah, you always have to balance that and to be open for new tools as well. And then we started to do, to work with like online AR stuff, augmented reality stuff. Um, We started to use Blender more and we started to uh, Blender 3D design tool that is for free. Okay. And you can also code with Blender, you know, just like oh, Blender, yeah. Yeah, you, you can also I'm, load data into Blender. So we do some I, experiments as well with in that side, but yeah. I've noticed the on data and design. The group I think right. that yourself and Darian run, is that right? Yes. What's the power of community and how, how important is the power of community in sharing? other data visuals and education. Is this how you tend to learn about the craft evolving? Yeah, I think what we try to achieve with this on data design is a bit similar than with the book to bring like different disciplines together, Hmm. different disciplines in the very broad field of visualization. So it can be anything from a philosopher that, talks about i don't know data something or <laughs> a sociologist or a designer and yeah it, it's really great you should everyone should look of course at our youtube channel where you can watch all the episodes yeah. still and the most interesting is always the um, discussion at the end it's like a super short panel where the different speakers come together and just answer the questions of the audience and yeah before the pandemic it was also in place in Basel Vienna and in Berlin but then with the pandemic everything was online which is great but it's harder to connect yeah so it's a bit more one-sided we are trying to establish like groups that watch on data and design somewhere it could be in a studio or at the home of someone and then connect with these people again or yeah and now people can also come back to our studio for a beer after so yeah nice um so we're trying yeah trying to socialize and connect meaning socialize a bit more again yeah in person yeah absolutely what are your thoughts for the future? Because visualizing complexity, before you know it, is going to be one. It's When was it published? I think it was January, was it? February? Yeah, May 2020. May, May yeah, 2020. So it's a bit, I, I yeah, came to it's a bit like... Late. I came to it quite late. Yeah, the Kickstarter was... Oh, you found it on Kickstarter, you said. Yeah, I found it on Kickstarter, but then I ended up buying it from Superdot. Oh, that's but, awesome. So are, yeah. are you any... With the first book, it's been like, I believe it's been received very well because anyone who I've recommended it to have bought it and they also thought it was amazing. What's the future looking like if you wanted to extend that book into another book by Superdot? What do you think it might be? 
I think now it's more like, even though it's like a step-by-step -step thing, it's more like a theory book. And mm -hmm. our idea is to launch a workbook as soon as possible. So you can really get your hands on and maybe also do some online classes to to really teach that approach. I think that awesome. will be the next stop. Steps yeah, to, well, yeah. Well, when you get to that point, you, I'd love to have yourself and Darian back on at the same time to talk about what that looks like, because I know there's definitely people out there who will follow you on Instagram and will want to learn a little bit more from the two masters, Darian and Nicole. So when you get to that point where you have something ready, just drop us an email and we'll have you back on the show to, to promote that new book or new course, whatever it is. Like, you know, I'd love to, to share that information with the community. Nicole, if people want Thanks to reach out to you, no, but if people want to reach out to you and, you know, connect with you and ask questions, what's the best way for people to do that? Yeah, I mean, probably the easiest is maybe like on LinkedIn or Instagram or all these platforms. That's the ones we use most or otherwise just uh, drop us an email. But maybe Absolutely. that's too formal. Yeah. So the informal way I think would be like just LinkedIn, Instagram is easier, maybe more spontaneous if you just want to say. Absolutely. Yeah, you can also just say hi. I, <laughs> or, I like it or I hate it. I mean, that's always, I mean, for us, it's always just great to to hear from people and to know who is actually behind the yeah the buyers yeah absolutely that's why that's why we also are selling it directly from our website just to have a bit of feeling of where it's going to and absolutely just yeah just it's amazing and from how many countries people are buying the book so just the yeah. other day we had like brazil and vietnam and japan and new zealand and we're always like super exciting when we see that super cool. wow well look i'll put a link to the book again and a link to super dot uh, and also a link to darian's episode as well folks if you're listening in here and you want to listen to the other partner of super.studio in, in switzerland i'll put a link to that episode in there as well because it's really interesting uh nicole thank you so much for giving me your time this morning um excited to finally speak with you i end every episode by thanking people for their energy and their openness and their vulnerability of listening to me ask questions on the spot so listen thanks so much for your time this morning thank you for having me it was really fun